This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We've got to stop us. They're going to kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone. Or human beings. When the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart. You can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the game to the people who run it, to the people who own it. And unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. Right, you tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Welcome to Crypt Ricks I've Been Thinking. What's this show all about? Well, it's all in the title. He enjoys interviewing people about issues that he finds interesting and which cause him to sit back and think. Cryptocurrency, true crime, natural law, the occult. No topic is off limits here. He has always enjoyed when people give their points of view or thoughts on different topics that they have researched. And what makes it all great is that it's their unique take on what is being discussed. For that reason alone, it makes it interesting to him. So take that walk down to his crypt. Make yourself comfortable. And just maybe, he will be discussing a topic that you have been thinking about. Here's your host, Crypt Rick. Well, welcome everybody. We are here. We are back with another episode of Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking, and I just want to thank everybody for joining me. I am in the chat, so hopefully I can get the chat kind of uh, participating later on. And just want to, like I said, welcome everybody. It is February 7th and uh, 2022. It's crazy how time flies. That's all I can say. And... uh, yeah, it's already been a eventful year, I think. So curious to see what's going to happen this year because a lot of crazy stuff has already transpired. So God knows what's coming down the pipe for us. But before I get my guest on here, I just want to let everybody know, I say it at, at the beginning of every show, that this is all listener supported, which means that we need you guys to make this all work. So 
definitely, if you guys can make a donation, please do. doesn't matter how big or small, everything happens. You know, everything helps, I should say. And uh, so if you can, that would be amazing. And uh, it'll help make sure that we keep this all going. And as I keep saying, too, our freedom uh, is dying very quickly. And a lot of the platforms that people are, are on and stuff like that, as we all know, YouTube and all of them are censoring people. Uh, Facebook is censoring people. And it's getting very hard to get an honest message out there without, you know, videos being taken down and comments being taken down. It's just crazy how they're clamping down on people who are just trying to speak truth. And uh, so I think it's very important that you support this station and to keep it all going. I mean, it's to me, it's a great thing and it's somewhere that we can go and at least talk freely and about all the different topics that people want to cover. A lot of great hosts on here. So that is great if you can do that. And just a short announcement for myself. I just want to let everyone know that I will be doing another show now. It's going to be starting this Saturday at 7 p.m. It's from 7 till 8 p.m. And uh, it's going to be in Studio B and it's called Crypt Rick's the de the decompression hour and it's actually all in the title like i always say i i i do so much research that i definitely need i call it my decompression hour and that's where i listen to music and i listen to i watch movies and i have to do that because if i don't i will actually go crazy like i mean and i think a lot of people that do a lot of research a lot of people in the chat that are doing research uh <laughs> you guys know what i'm talking about i need to Music is a big part of my life, and I need that to kind of like just decompress. So I wanted to do a show about that, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to have a, a friend on for my first show, and it's going to be, we're going to be talking about music. We don't see eye to eye on music in very in many different ways. We don't see eye to eye, so it's going to be a great show. So please, please, God, I can't even speak. Uh, please check it out. Like I said, this Saturday it'll be my first show, Studio B, 7 p.m. till 8 p.m., and I hope to see you guys there. But enough about me. I definitely want to get my guest on here because we've got a lot of uh, uh, topics to cover with uh, cryptocurrency and stuff like that. And he's a very busy man, so I'm glad he took the time to come here and talk to us and break down cryptocurrency. It's hard to get him on. I get him on my YouTube channel. I try to get him on once a week, and we do a video interview where we talk about crypto. And we've started right from the beginning of cryptocurrency, and we're working our way up and teaching people the lingo and all the different aspects of cryptocurrency because I do find – that a lot of people, that's the problem. They're just scared. They want to get involved in cryptocurrency, but A, they don't know how, and B, they got a lot of fear of it because they don't understand it. So I'm glad that I got my guest here. It was hard to get him here. I had to actually go outside, put a coffee on my railing outside on my house, put a cheeseburger, put a cage around it, and when I, he came to get it, I trapped him. I got him, so I got him for the show. So I want to welcome my guest. Definitely uh, great to have you here, and this is Paul from BitSwift. Paul, welcome to the crypt, and thank you for coming on this evening no problem and uh damn your freaking cheeseburger got me <laughs> <laughs> well i had to, it's hard to track you down as i was just telling people you are definitely a busy man and so and i and i totally get that so every time i get you on my youtube channel or i got you on here tonight i was letting people know a couple shows ago that i'd be bringing you on to talk about cryptocurrency and the importance of it and all the different aspects of it and i know you're busy so i really do appreciate it that you took the time to come and talk to us and uh, it's great to have you here. And as I was saying, I think a lot of people, and I'm sure you get this a lot in your in your business, that a lot of people want to get involved in cryptocurrency, but they have no idea where to start. That's where I was uh, when I met you. They don't know where to start. They they want to do it. They might have a little bit of extra money kicking around, but they just don't know where to begin. So I thought it'd be great to get you on here and break it down. Now, 
the way we started the, our first interview on the YouTube channel is you kind of broke down cryptocurrency from the origins of it. So I wanted you to do that so we can kind of walk people through and learn the terminology, learn where cryptocurrency kind of got its start, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. I do appreciate that. Um, and hello to all your listeners out there. Um, yeah, so you just want to go, how did, how did crypto come to be? Exactly. Uh, how, yes. how did we get to where we are? Yes. Um, yes. Like, let, how did crypto get its start? Where did it start? I found that story very interesting when we talked about it on the YouTube channel. It was really cool how you kind of broke down where it even came from and yep. where Bitcoin got its start and all of that. So I think that'd be a great place to start and we can just keep going from there. Yeah. Uh, so cryptocurrency, I mean, is just uh, cryptographic based currency. It just means like, uh, I guess currency regulated by mathematics, you know, um, as opposed to like just artificially printed out of nowhere. <laughs> um, prior to like Bitcoin, there were other cryptocurrencies. Mind you, they weren't, um, decentralized. And so that's a big thing with Bitcoin is it's the first truly decentralized cryptocurrency. Um, so I can't really go into cryptos I don't know about that came prior to Bitcoin. Obviously, okay. there were a few of them, but uh, out of that scene uh, or group of people that were kind of in it, you know, creating the first initial cryptos, um, out of that initial group kind of came Bitcoin, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so Bitcoin is just a fully decentralized peer-to-peer blockchain-based cryptocurrency. It's public, it's transparent, everybody can use it. Um, it's global, so there's nowhere on earth you can go where you can't really use it. I mean, there might be some places where it's banned, but if you have a computer and internet connection, you could probably use it anyway. Right. Um, you know, Wait, who, who invented, who invent, where did it get its start? Who, you, you were telling me about who invented it, kind of. Yeah, so. And that's why I'm really, like, that, I found that story so interesting, because I never knew, I always wondered. Well, they what, don't know, what, they don't know who, who really invented it, right? So, like, if you go back, and you look at the early cryptocurrencies, there's basically groups of people that were working on these types of technologies, and these types of cryptos, way back when. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so. The real person behind Bitcoin, though, there is there is no name or face on it. There's no company behind it, per se, right? So they don't really know if it was a group of people or an individual or a company or perhaps a government or maybe it was a CIA or whatever, right? There is no name or business to put really behind Bitcoin. Okay. The, the creator is Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, I believe, is uh, like Japanese, and I think it translates loosely to knowledge on the inside. Um, so that's kind of weird how, you know, it would translate to that. But uh, in any event, it's an uh, anonymous developer or group of developers, likely I would say a group of people, not just one person, um, who kind of had their roots in, you know, the initial cryptocurrencies that kind of formulated and came out with uh, Bitcoin. Okay. Um, even today, they don't know really who Satoshi is. There's been a couple fake Satoshis that have come along. Um, there's a, a guy out there who claims he is Satoshi and uh, I guess um, has enough proof that a lot of people believe he is, but whether he is or not, um, it's still kind of up in the air. Right, right. Uh, for me, I think, uh, you know, clearly it was obviously 
a well-educated person or group of people um, who obviously really understood what they were doing and what they set out to do because there is even um, kind of language in the first block. Basically, a block contains all the uh, Bitcoin transactions. So part of the very first transactions is uh, text relating to um, the, the money system, the monetary system, essentially, about bailing out the, the bankers, right? Okay, okay. So if That's this was just something um, artificially that came out of nowhere on a whim that just gained popularity, it probably wouldn't have that targeted kind of statement in it about bailing out the bankers once again. I forget the exact wording, but it's in the blockchain, right? Um, so whoever, cre- whoever created this clearly had um, probably not intent to, like, destroy the current financial system, but at least provide some alternative knowing that the current system is completely um, corrupt and broken and kind of doesn't make any sense. So, right. I agree. So after Satoshi created Bitcoin, um, that was in 2009. I think the white paper came out in 2008 and the protocol really kind of got going in 2009. And I remember that Paul, because as I was telling you before, when we were talking, I remember I was, Kind of dabbling it, like I was definitely more into gaming back in that around that time period. I just got a computer and started gaming pretty hardcore. And I remember in the gaming circles, people were talking about this Bitcoin, and I and it was it was coming up a little bit here and there, and it started to get more and more people were talking about it. But no, at least in the group I was in, a lot of people were talking about it, but they didn't know much about it. And I remember getting an offer, and I tell this story a lot because I, I think it's probably just sour grapes in my account because I wish I would have acted, and I think a lot of people wish they would have acted back then. But I could have bought – I remember being offered to buy Bitcoin super cheap back in the day. Like it was so cheap, and I think it was like a $500 buy-in or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't very much, but $500 to me is a lot of money, and I think to a lot of people that work, you know, it's a lot of money. And <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, I remember me and my wife talking about it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know much about it. It's kind of new. Should we invest in it? I wish I did. You know, I wish I would have hung on to it now because I would be a freaking millionaire by now mm-hmm. if if I would have hung on to that. So I yeah. definitely uh, and you were kind of one of the people that was smart enough to kind of get involved at crypto at a very like when it first started coming out. So at least you had the foresight to see that and take a plunge with it. Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I'm I'm in the tech, right? So I run, like run a tech company and do tech stuff. So uh, Bitcoin, I mean, they're being mined by video cards. So naturally, I took interest in this currency that you know didn't require a central authority that was fully transparent that y- you created it using your computing power, you know. So when I got reading up on it, I just kind of almost fell in love with it. I was like, wow, like this has so much potential. Um, you know, if you remove the middleman, you can potentially really optimize the way things work in a society, right? People oh, for can, sure. For people sure. People can interact and trust each other directly. Um, I love, yeah, I love the concept of cryptocurrency. And, I, and I'm not one of these people that are, that don't, like, I definitely know it, it has its problems, like everything else. And I do, and a lot of people, which we'll get back, we'll get into kind of later on. Uh, about what some of the people were saying to me and what they sometimes email me to talk about and stuff like that with with regards to crypto that I want to ask you about. But um, I definitely, uh, like you, I definitely see the value of it, especially with taking out the middleman of these central banks, which we know are robbing people blind. And I have no faith in the, the dollar as it stands now. It's kind of a miracle that it's still even uh, accepted anywhere when you think about it. It's losing value so bad. And yeah, I think every day. Crypt- 
Yeah, every day. And, and the problem is, is I don't think a lot of pe- enough people are are for reasons of fear. As I was saying at the beginning, they don't understand cryptocurrency, and it's a lot. And I was the same way before I met you. I, as I said before, I wanted to get in. I've always wanted to get into crypto, but you don't. I don't. I didn't know where to start. Like, and that's what I and the people I talk to. That seems to be their, their that that's what they all say. Everybody I've talked to, clear across the board, they're like, I want, I got a bit of money, I want to invest in crypto, but I don't understand the terminology. I don't understand what I got to do, and so I think somebody like you is very valuable when I can get when get you on a show like this to kind of break it down and teach people the terminology. And I think once you learn the terminology and kind of get involved with it, uh, dip your toes in it, it, it starts to make a lot more sense. And it's not quite as intimidating once you start learning stuff. So mm-hmm. I definitely, what are you, like, what, like, uh, do you get that a lot too with people like in your, that come up to you and that's what their same thing is, is they're just, they're scared to get involved. They don't know where to start. What's kind of like, un- uh, not so much like scared. Uh, a lot of people just don't really know how to get involved. So they're okay calling me and you know they're uh, i i tell people this all the time i mean crypto's for the techs it's not for the bankers even though i feel they've tried to kind of hijack the whole industry i Um, agree cryptocurrencies are mined on a computer like you they're created on somebody's computer and, and not like a banker's computer or like let's say like dell or ibm they're created on some kid's computer in a basement <laughs> like <laughs> what authority does uh you know legacy finance have o- over this new token economy right mm-hmm. specifically if it if, if it doesn't have to go through them at all i mean if if the tokens go from me to you then what is it of anybody else right like why right. does a third party have have to be re- regulating that transaction right right so uh, for me, That's it's very, just, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. For me, I I just believe in the, the whole premise of um, I guess optimizing everything, automating everything. I'm in tech, um, so that's kind of what I do for other businesses anyway. And I can right. just see the potential right. here. You know, people were were to start transacting in this, um, or not even transacting, just storing their value in it. Um, you know, as opposed to storing your value in the bank account where. You, your the inflation's robbing you blind every day. Right. Uh, you can hold your value in a cryptocurrency wallet that you control. No, nobody else, no third party. So that way you're in control of it. And if anything happens to it, you you are responsible. Right. Um, but at least that way it will preserve its value. Right. No, I agree. I and I love that aspect of it too. That you're in control of it. There's no. Uh, well, I mean, you should be in control of it. There is third parties. That we'll get into that, you know, kind of hold your crypto, but you kind of warn people to stay away from that in a way. Yeah. And it's better to hang on to it yourself, which uh, I will talk about. But just because you were kind of touching on the mining part. And I remember when I first started talking to you about crypto, I didn't understand. Like, I remember and I've had a couple of people ask me, too, like, where do these coins come from? Like, what do you mean mining? Like, there, is there somebody mining in the ground? Is there and I and uh, so I like the way you explain it, like kind of explain to people what's involved with mining. And yep. it's not as easy uh, to mine. Yeah, as so that's think. another. Uh, it's another question people approach us uh, about is like mining crypto or like staking crypto. Uh, where you know where do you hold them? Like hardware wallet, software wallet, so on, um, or, or like where do you even buy them? Right. Um, so uh, my, mining and staking crypto, anybody can do. Um, to, I guess depending on the cryptocurrency. Um, 
for example, you, people can mine Bitcoin. And the whole concept of mining is very similar to, like, actually mining for, like, let's say a precious metal like gold or silver, right? Okay. Um, so, you know, in gold and silver, you have a mine. You actually have a physical mine. People go in into that mine, and they go in with machines, and they extract the gold. And the gold's worth money, right? And the more machines the miners put in that mine, the more gold they can extract within any given time period, providing there's gold remaining in that mine, right? So that's like a physical miner that we're all kind of in our heads when you think a miner in a mine shaft, you know, they're just going in and pulling out precious metals, right? So same thing happens in crypto. There's a mine. It's a digital mine. And you're not going in the mine shaft with a bulldozer or like a garden hoe. You're going in with your computer and your computer's processing power. Because the mine's not a physical mine. It's it's virtual. It's digital. So you, you can't bring a bulldozer into it. <laughs> Right. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So um, basically the way it works is the higher your processing power, um, the greater your chances are to, to mine that resource, that gold, or in Bitcoin's case, Bitcoin. Right. And so people are buying really fast supercomputers or specialty computers that are proprietary. All they do is mine crypto or, or let's say Bitcoin. Um, and they'll put a whole bunch of these miners on it, and they'll hope at some point they receive the reward from the network. That basically means like the mine, they, they found like a little gold nugget in the mine shaft, right? Okay. The network rewards them the little gold nugget, and the network re rewards the miners in a predictable manner. So th the network's not like, oh, yeah, there's an infinite amount of mine in this mine shaft. No. The network says, hey, there's only 21 million Bitcoin in this mine, and only this amount of Bitcoin can be mined in any given time period. And that's set. That's part of the rules of the Bitcoin network, right? So it's it's completely predictable as to how many Bitcoins can be mined in any given time period, how many Bitcoins are actually in the total supply, right? That's really um, interesting. Just complete predictability of, of the money supply, which um, ideally would be something you'd want in society if everybody relies on the money supply, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, people can't print it out at will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you end up in situations where, let's say, like what just happened in Canada, well, all around the world, governments just printed tons and tons of money, right? COVID relief or whatever, they print a billion trillion dollars and give it to all their friends. So, Yep. Um, then you get in a situation where, well, now there's, yeah, there's no, now more money out there because they artificially printed more money. So I can tell you the, the money that you had in your bank account is now worth less, right? right. Put yep. it this way. If you, if you have gold in your, uh, savings account, let's say like locked up in a bank vault or whatever. And, uh, tomorrow they find like, you know, on the moon, there's actually freaking gold there you can mine and they start bringing all the gold back to earth. Um, in hordes, do you think your gold in in the bank there in your vault is going to maintain its value? No. No, it's probably going to go down in value because now there's so much more gold on Earth. It's not right. rare. It's not it's not sought after anymore. There's just so much of it, right? Right. So same concept applies in Bitcoin, but rather than like physical uh, restrictions, they're all like kind of like digital. And the way the mining is happening is not through like a physical machine going in and extracting dirt and, you know, finding gold. It's it's just all using uh, computer processing power 
and you can equate that to um, the more processing power you have, the um, bigger machine you have going into the mine, and the chances of you getting that gold or Bitcoin are, are higher if you got more processing power. Oh, for sure. It's kind of like the concept, like you said, like a like a using a bulldozer or using like a little garden spade. The yep. person with the bulldozer is going to be moving more dirt, so they're going yep. to find more chances, better chance to get gold. And that kind of makes sense. Then that's what I was kind of asking you when I first started learning about crypto was like, can anybody mine crypto? And you're like, yeah, anybody can. You know, if you got one laptop and you want to start mining it, you can. But the chances of you finding a, a Bitcoin with just that amount of processing power are pretty. You said you probably have a better chance to win the lotto. <laughs> you got a better chance probably get, getting struck by lightning twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, there's um, like in, in Bitcoin's case anyway, there are millions of computers worldwide, um, warehouses full of computers just pulling electricity trying to mine Bitcoin, right? Right. Like if you think of it, one Bitcoin's worth what, like 45k US right now, right? Incredible. Um, so there's there's a lot of competition to mine Bitcoin right now because well whoever finds the reward whoever whoever finds a Bitcoin it's worth something right right and it's because it's worth something that obviously it, it it's got some value and it's worth something because somebody initially spent money buying the computer or buying the special computer or buying the warehouse to put all their computers in to mine for this currency they're not getting it for free they had to spend money to get it right right That's not only true. did they have to spend money on the machine to get it they also are paying uh, insane amounts of electricity they're paying for insane amounts of electricity um that their computers are using trying <laughs> a billion <laughs> times a second to, to to earn that reward from the network right right and so really uh bitcoin's um value is backed by um, electricity and, and the people's willingness to continue to use it. Right. That's a cool thing, too, is that it's the people that give it the value. And I think that's really cool. I, and I and I, I see huge possibilities with cryptocurrency. I think there's people just got to start kind of diving in and, uh, you know, start and like you recommended with me, just, uh, you know, buy a little bit of something cheap at first just to start learning. Uh, all about it and that was great advice that you gave me and then i love the advice you give at the end of every one of our video video interviews that we do is that you have to do your own research and i fully back that up 100 percent. i mean you can you can definitely help people along and give them the the definitions of the terminology kind of point them in the right direction but you have to do your own research mm -hmm. and kind of dig into it and that's what i've been doing and you know it's it gets easier as you go along guys and trust me i i I'm a prime example of that because a few, you know, six months ago before I got to know Paul, I didn't know anything about crypto, like zero. I knew I wanted to get involved, but I had no idea how to start. So I think that's a, uh, it's a great thing to do is just kind of dip your toes into it. So I'm glad that we got here to kind of break that down. Now, now, as far as before we get off of the mining thing, so I know it's your chances of mining a Bitcoin with a normal computer are probably, like you said, better chance to get hit by lightning a couple of times. <laughs> But what about a lower coin, like so, say a less known coin, say something that's kind of like on the ground floor, not it's not really super known, and yep. that can you do you have a better chance if somebody with a normal computer wants to try mining that and yeah, yeah. mining a coin? Yeah, actually, I mean, if you're gonna mine crypto today, you you might be much better off mining mining an unknown altcoin, and an altcoin is just an alternative 
currency in crypto land, we'll call them an altcoin. So anything that's not Bitcoin really is considered an altcoin. Um, and yes, you can you can mine them, not all of them, because um, there's other types of networks out there. There's like proof of work and proof of stake and so on. But uh, for the general audience, yes, you can mine various altcoins. Like, for example, Dogecoin is an altcoin. Litecoin is an altcoin. And there's many, many, many other altcoins that you could mine. There's ten thousands, right? There is, if not more, even, right? Um, so, like, if you're somebody that you know, you don't have a warehouse, you don't have access to free electricity, you don't have money to, to buy a whole bunch of um, computers to mine Bitcoin, or even like, let's say, mining Ethereum. What you could do is, you know, if you just got a basic machine is mine some really unknown altcoin at the bottom of the list <laughs> that has basically yep. no no market cap um, that nobody else is mining. So me, meaning you are the only person with your mining equipment in that mine, and you're extracting all the gold from that mine prior to the mine really taking off and getting other miners in it. Essentially, prior to the that, that mine's resources becoming popular. <laughs> okay, no, it makes or, sense. Yep. Or becoming sought after for whatever reason. You know, like maybe uh, those tokens start getting used in some app and, and that app gets popular and all of a sudden they're, you know, instead of fractions of pennies, they're worth, they're worth dollars each or whatever, right? Right. So that would make sense where you just got your laptop, you're mining some unknown altcoin, you're gaining all the rewards every day, you're just reaping the rewards because you got no other competition in that mine and then a year goes by and all of a sudden that unknown altcoin you're mining turns into a legitimate project and all of a sudden apps start being built on that project and that project starts becoming more popular and more people start using it um well you might be in a good situation you might own a lot of the, the resources people are looking for Right. Right. It could work the other way where you're mining and you're earning all this free crypto of some unknown network and nothing ever amounts from it. Right. You just got a bag of nothing. (laughs) A bag bag of worthless coins. That's what they call it. Hold in the bag. Right. So then you're a bag holder and you just hold in the bag forever. Um, But I mean. That may not happen. It could be that you're mining some unknown coin because you've done your research and you're um, interested in the project and you know it. Um, it's going to be developed in the future. You know, who knows? Like you'd have to get involved in the community and talk right. to the developers and whatnot. But right, because um, I kind of w- heard that. I kind of heard that with Dogecoin, right? Am I? Right when I th- I remember hearing a while back that Dogecoin was it, like people were actually mining that and stuff like that like it wasn't oh, yeah. a super popular coin and then i remember a few years ago hearing rumblings about dogecoin mm-hmm. and i was kind of like what are they like is this going to be the next crypto is this going to be the next uh bitcoin like what is going on here so are you saying that dogecoin now is starting to climb or is it what's what's dogecoin doing give us a well dogecoins uh went way up so yeah i mean wow Doge, dogecoin was fractions of pennies per right right Doge, right and then uh well it got like you know celebrities all over it like elon and snoop dogg and paris hilton and then all of a sudden kaboom the price just went crazy right 
Um, That's crazy, yeah. Because I remember it was very cheap to buy Dogecoin at one time. And then I remember, like I was saying a couple of years ago, I looked into it. And I was like, it's not very expensive. I mean, maybe I should buy. And once again, I didn't, I didn't know, and I didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. And I wish I would have. Well, like, they I, were fractions of a penny. They then, were, yeah. You know, then they went up to a penny, and even that was like, well, that's expensive. And then they, I think they almost went up to a dollar. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Right? Like, now, yeah. now you can buy Tesla merch um, using Dogecoin on the Tesla shop. That's yeah. So that's cool. I, that's another aspect of this uh, crypto that I'm really excited about. The more that I'm digging into it and learning about it is that there's a lot of businesses now that are starting to accept cryptocurrency. And I think that is really cool. Now, I mean, I, I hope a lot more businesses start actually looking into this and doing that, because I think that is really going to be a cool thing that if a lot of businesses or every, you know, that just think of that, Paul. Like if you know, you go buy a cup of coffee or something like that, or go to McDonald's or something, and actually use crypto or something like that. I mean, I don't think a lot of people would, because as you say, people like to hang on to their crypto and kind of like build on it. Well, I mean, but, I know people that use crypto between each other. We, me and you use cryptocurrency yes. between each other, right? So, um, people very are cool. By the way, very cool. Yeah, yeah we can like, do that. I, I know. Um, a lot of a lot of kind of like friends and family are kind of using it that way. But as far as like registered business, like for example, like McDonald's, right? Like you can't go to McDonald's and just buy a hamburger with cryptocurrency yet, right? right? Yeah. Likewise, pretty much any other shop that is you know kind of uh, like a big brand, right? There are some mom and pop shops, like small time coffee shops, where you know they're they know about crypto, and sure you could buy a cop with dogecoin or whatever but still for the most part it's not like it's not widely accepted right but that's changing that's changing because i'm starting to notice i keep kind of keep a list of the businesses i come across that are accepting some form of crypto like they don't accept all of them but they do have a select few that they will accept and i'm keeping a list and it's growing all the time like there is businesses there's i think the smart businesses out there are starting to realize that this is a very viable way to go and I think that people should really start looking into it. And I'd love to see people start actually like me and you have done for goods and services. You know, we'll exchange uh, like our crypto. Like, you know, I can – and there's no, you know, third party of a bank or nobody needs to know about our transaction. It's just between two people. And I think that is amazing. So – and I think a lot – I hope a lot of people will start getting into it and uh, realizing the power of it and uh Well, it can save you a lot of money. Like if you're for a sure. You know, if you're a merchant and you're processing credit card all day, um, you lose by default 4%, roughly estimate, uh, but 4% of the sale, right? Like it just goes to the credit card processing company. It goes to Visa or MasterCard, right? Now, if you're dealing in crypto, um, the fee could be fractions of a penny, depending on what cryptocurrency you're transacting, right? right? So like add that up, couple thousand transactions per day, they're taking 4%. You know, it's kind of cuts into the merchant's profit, but it's not really the merchant that feels it. It's the customer, right? Because the merchant, yes. they just mark up the price to cover the cost, right? Yep. So really, the cost savings, if, if merchants kind of started going down the road of crypto, the, the cost savings would be seen by the customer, which would benefit the customer, obviously. The customer would have more money, he'd probably be able to go out and buy more things, which thus would likely stimulate the economy a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I get. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm just I love listening to you talk about it because it's to me, this is such a, a very uh, cool 
uh, area to get into, and I and I'm so glad that I got into it, and I'm learning about it now. And like and as I was saying, once you start learning the terminology, it kind of is not as scary as it, it seemed from the outside. Like I remember hearing about blockchains. And then I and then I had to have a wallet for different coins, and I, my head is just going, "Oh my God! Like, why is this got to be so confusing?" But when you start doing it, it kind of makes sense. So that's what I'd like you to break down, Paul. Like, so we got let's just play along here. That you got we got somebody here. They got a little bit of money, and they want to start investing in a cryptocurrency. They're like, "Okay, I got some extra money. Let's do this." What is their first step that you recommend that they do? Uh, first step: do some research on whatever the hell it is that you're trying to invest in. <laughs> okay, no, make sense. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't just want to blindly throw money at stuff. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe it's uh, like a lotto for you, but um may, may not work in your favor, right? So do research, find a project uh, you're interested in, and then uh, make your own decision. Because, like, you know, I'm not here to tell people to invest in any pr- project in particular. Right. Um, but and when you say project, you mean coin, right? So that could be yeah, a project. It could be a Bitcoin, Adam, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a thousand different blockchain projects out there. They're all kind of their own, like, token, and you can essentially buy that token, and, you know, it could be an investment for you, but you may be buying it for some other purpose, like like actually using it, you know, like for right. whatever purpose, right? Um, a lot of people just buy them and hold them just as um, kind of, I guess, a hedge against inflation because buying and holding money is really pointless, like traditional yep. money, right? I agree. So people are like buying, you know, people are buying property. Well, why are they buying all these properties? Well, because properties maintain their value and go up in value over time, right? Okay, so now you have digital property, right? Uh, cryptocurrencies like digital property. Well, guess what? Same thing kind of applies. Like, yes, the market fluctuates. It goes up and down. It, it can go oh, down sure, right? <laughs> really heavy. It can really, you know make some people cry when it does but the trend is like just like the housing market it goes up and down but usually goes up over time right and same as the stock market it ebbs and flows right there it's always fluctuating and so that's the one thing that i learned too is like you can't kind of panic when cryptocurrencies like because i hear a lot of people say that like especially in the videos i'm watching and stuff they're as soon as the cryptocurrency goes down a little bit, they panic right away. Like they're like, Oh my God, like I got to sell everything and stuff yeah. like that. And I try to tell them like, just relax a little bit. Like, you know, this is normal. It goes up and down and, and it fluctuates. It's just like everything else that kind of ebbs and flows is what I always say. So that's, that's really cool advice. So do your research. And then yeah. now, now that you brought up blockchain, let everyone know what a blockchain is. Cause I had no idea before I met you what a blockchain even was or what it did. Oh, what blockchain its is just, is. uh, Blockchain is a technology behind the cryptocurrency, right? Perfect. Please explain. Well, blockchain can be used for many different apps beyond cryptocurrency, right? So blockchain is just uh, the the network and and basically the technology uh, behind that network that operates the application. And the application in Bitcoin's case is the currency, right? Okay. And all a blockchain is is a series of events kind of stamped in a time and then verified by um, well, who's ever using that blockchain. So the community worldwide in Bitcoin's case would verify all the transactions in the Bitcoin blockchain and say like, yes, they are all legitimate. And this is the actual proper sequence of events from person to person, how all the transactions happen. And this is what we all agree happens. So this, this is all the balances of, of everybody and everybody can agree on that. Right. Okay. Very cool. Uh, another fa- uh, 
blockchain is a, a fancy word for distributed ledger. So think of a ledger now, distributed, right? And now it's a distributed ledger. <laughs> okay, no, maybe, yeah. Now, now that's call perfect. it a blockchain. <laughs> that's right. perfect. No, and so the way I understand it is that, and it's all the people that are part of that, that have invested kind of into that blockchain. And if I'm wrong with any of my terminal, terminology or what I'm saying, Paul, please correct me. Because, like I said, I'm still learning. So, but as I understand it, that everybody in this blockchain who's invent who's invested in the in the coin of whatever blockchain you're on, they kind of they're the ones that kind of run the whole blockchain, right? Like it's kind of run by everybody who has stake in that coin. Am I right on when I say that? Uh, it depends on the blockchain network. Um, so I'm you're so- saying you're saying like stake, which kind of um, in my head I'm thinking proof of stake which we haven't really even touched on here so your viewers might be a little confused but, okay uh, okay we'll touch on that in a second like sorry in, guys <laughs> in, in Bitcoin's case the protocol is proof of work so really you're the miners kind of determine and verify what's happening okay uh, because they're the ones verifying the network that's why they're earning a reward from the network for solving the block right okay in um, some other networks so there, there's not mining going on. It's staking, they call it, which just basically means you're just you're just holding your coins in your wallet, and based on how many coins you have, based on your share or your holdings in the network, like your percentage of um, shares in the network, determines how likely you are to solve the block, and w- which determines how likely you are to receive the reward from the network. Right. So it's like another way of mining, but yeah, you know, it's actually like mining. mining using your um, share in the network or like, I guess, your your wealth in the network as opposed to mining using your wealth as to like how many computers can you buy and how much electricity can you afford. Right. Um, to, to mine Bitcoin, right? And I, yeah, and I do like that. I like that version of it because I don't have the computers to do the mining for the coin, the big coins and stuff like that. So I do like the the share, the, the staking, like you say, because the more coins that you have, the and the more that you accumulate, the and then you start doing that, you got a better chance of getting coins in return, which I know you do with a few different coins. And, yep. and I think that's great that every month you just get basically free coins because of the amount that you've already accumulated of these coins. So you just kind of sit on them. And yep. keep accumulating more, and I think that's really cool. That's what I—that's the way I want to go about it, and I am starting to go about it. But I still got to get enough. Yeah, that's kind of the new way. Um, I mean, way back when, um, all the networks were basically proof of work, so they were all like you could only mine them with your processing power. Right. And then I think it was like 2013-ish, and around that time era, the proof-of-stake networks really took off. So even now, like Ethereum is trying to convert from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake. So a lot of these kind of bigger networks have realized, like, I guess, you know, it's it's not energy efficient uh, to secure the network through proof of work. So they're moving to a proof of stake kind of architecture. So rather than spending all this electricity and processing power, your ownership in the network, like as to how many shares you own on the network, will determine your uh, reward rate. Right. Yeah, that's and I think that's so cool. Like, I, I really enjoy when I watch you kind of do that when you're when you're uh talking about how you're claiming your coins for the month and i'm like you just claim them every month and you're like yeah the more you invest and then you got a better chance of the reward and i i really like that uh that's the aspect i, I really like that's probably the way i'm going to go with the coins that i'm currently uh investing in so i really do like that um so now every blockchain then every crypto coin let me kind of rephrase this every coin has its own blockchain correct 
yes, every coin has its own chain, but there's okay. coins and tokens, and people get those confused. Okay, what's the difference? <laughs> what's the difference then? Let's talk about it. Uh, so a coin is kind of like the base layer transactional token. Actually, sorry, the the coin is um, the token used for the consensus on the network. So basically, like in Bitcoin, on Bitcoin's blockchain, the coin is Bitcoin, right? On Ethereum, the coin is ETH. And those coins are like the primary, like level one coin on the network. So they're kind of like the base layer coin. Okay. That's why they're called coins, right? Now you have tokens, coins and tokens. Tokens are what you would call like a level two kind of asset on the network, or we call them, I guess, well, a token rather than a coin. Okay. So, for example, on Ethereum, you have Ethereum, which would be considered a coin. Right. But on Ethereum, on the Ethereum blockchain, you have all of these other tokens. They call them ERC-20 tokens. ERC-20 is a standard. they got to follow that standard. And so you have thousands of other kind of cryptocurrencies um, that are secured by Ethereum and the native ETH token. But all of these sub-tokens exist within Ethereum. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It does make sense. I, I know a lot of people probably listening are like going, oh, my God, this is clear as mud. Uh, but I do understand. Like, I get it what you're saying. Like, I definitely do. A coin's like the default. Right asset on the network and then a token would be like the kind of like all the sub assets or like the you know all the uh not the non-primary assets right 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 so, so no that makes no not, and then and then as i tell people the more you start researching this and you kind of look into the blockchains and start investing it it you'll start seeing what what paul's explaining about with all of these the difference between the tokens and stuff like that like I, at first i was kind of like i get what you're saying but i kind of don't and then it started to make a lot more sense when I started researching it, and you start learning the lingo and stuff like that. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, coins exist at, like, the consensus layer right, of, right. of the network, and tokens exist more of, like, the transactional layer. They're not really part of the consensus mix. Right. I, again, I might be speaking maybe a little over, like, an intro to blockchain um subject but um that is i guess the premise well it's yeah hard to, it's hard to describe i guess it is it is it is yeah because i've tried to explain it to people that i talk to and i'm like it's so hard to break it down really really simple like newbie I mean, terms yeah like how yeah, to convert that to yeah so i get what you're saying though and so i but i like i try to tell people like okay so if you want to invest in bitcoin you know you need you got to get a blockchain for Bitcoin, and I like yep. I don't say yeah, that. Yeah, you're right in that regard. Like, yeah, yeah, like if you want Bitcoin, there's a Bitcoin blockchain. It's separate from all the other blockchains, right? Right. Like if you want um, Ethereum, well, you you'll need it to interface with the Ethereum wallet and with and, and an Ethereum blockchain, right? You can't use your Bitcoin wallet to accept Ethereum. Right. right. That that's the way I explain it exactly. Now you might have one of these global wallets where it's kind of like a hosted wallet where you you can accept Bitcoin in it, but it's not like it's not like true Bitcoin. It's like wrapped Bitcoin, or it's like what they would call hosted Bitcoin. Basically, it's not in your control, and, which and is not good. Yeah, not well. Good. That defeats the purpose of crypto to begin with. Um, like if you read the white paper, it's all about uh, removing the third party. Like you know, like we started talking about in the beginning here. Um, right. 
So, you know, once once you leave your tokens in somebody else's control, you basically defeated the purpose to begin with to, to be using this stuff. Um, so, you know, make sure, like, if you're interfacing with Ethereum, have your own Ethereum wallet. If you're interfacing with Dogecoin, have your own Dogecoin wallet. Don't don't leave your tokens on an exchange. Don't use a, a wallet with um, that supports like multiple assets where 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 those assets or tokens or coins are not really in your control. They're in the control of like that third party developer. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And that and I was remember a couple of weeks ago when uh, that when the, somebody like uh, there was it was all over the internet. Like people that are in the crypto world know that. There's a like we were talking about how they were saying like oh my god somebody got robbed for millions and millions and millions of dollars for cryptocurrency and it's not secure and they like people were really going off about this and I kind of talked to you about it and you were the one that told me like yeah but they're not telling you that they had it in a third party uh a third party was holding it it wasn't in their yeah. own wallet so can you explain like kind of what happened there because I know a lot of people that I had emails from people that that were that I recommended for cryptocurrency and they were like they were like oh my god what's going on like why what happened yeah. here and like they were they were panicked and i was like no no you gotta like let me explain what happened here kind of oh yeah there's all this bad rap all the time about crypto yes you know, oh for sure yeah for, uh, money laundering and this and that or are you gonna get scammed or it's you can't trust it or whatever but really it all comes down to like educating people um yeah, I mean, if you're using a centralized exchange and you keep all your crypto there and something happens to that exchange, like, for example, the owner of the exchange uh, disappears to India or the exchange gets hacked or whatever might happen, you got to be mindful that you've left all your money or tokens or coins on that exchange. So they're not really in your control. So when that exchange disappears, there goes everything you might have had on it, right? right. Um, and, and that's what you hear a lot is like, oh, somebody got scammed, somebody got hacked, you know, $50 million, $55 million hack, and everybody lost everything. Well, yeah, everybody had all their money on an exchange. Exchange got hacked. Um, you know, the exchange is the third party. Remember, the whole purpose of this stuff, again, is to remove that third party. So what? why are you using this in a manner where – you're trusting the third party they get hacked and now you've lost everything right right and now yeah that's the, i love the advice that you gave me like make sure you keep all of your coins in your own wallet that way you're in control of it there's no third party and then you're using cryptocurrency for what it was meant to be used for mm -hmm. so i mean i love the way that you say like why are people using these third i'm sure these third party uh they have a purpose at times and oh I totally mean, like an exchange like People use exchanges to convert their crypto into Canadian dollars and back to crypto or from one crypto to another. So, like, you're not going to avoid, I guess, not sending your crypto to an exchange because if you ever need to exchange it, you, you might need to send it to a, a centralized service, especially if you're moving in, a, uh, like, fiat, in, the, like, U.S. dollar or Canadian dollar. You likely will have to go through a centralized party to get right. it into the bank or from the bank back out, right? Right. So, but the main thing is, like, only basically mitigate your risk, right? Like if you have to use that service, don't send all your crypto there and hold it there indefinitely. Just send the little bit that you want to exchange and then move it the hell off of there when you're done with it, right? right? The problem is people start holding the, all of their cryptos on the, these exchanges like as if they were like their bank account or something, right? And so now you got a couple, you know, a couple dollars, like let's say two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars sitting there 
in a uh, cryptocurrency exchange and then the exchange gets hacked. Well, what do you think is going to happen? That money is going to be gone, right? Right. Yep. Now, you know, I got people that say, well, can you get the money back? Can, can you help recover it? Um, like, no, not. <laughs> you know, like, no. this isn't like you can call the bank and say, um, yeah, I got hacked. I was an idiot and I let somebody in my computer and they logged into my bank account and took all my money, you know, and go, then go to the bank, cry to the bank and, and they say, oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll just reprint the money for you and not a problem. Right, right. Because that, that's really what happens in reality. If you get hacked, go to the bank, they'll just give you your money back, which is kind of crazy. Oh, um, well, yeah. But, I mean, like you said, why? it's not that crazy. They just print some more up. and Yeah, they just print the number in their computer and, <laughs> and give you more of it, right? Um, I'm sure sometimes that doesn't fly that way. But I, I can tell you I've dealt with uh, countless cases of people being hacked because, well, I'm in the tech industry. People come to me when this shit happens to them. Excuse yep. my language, by the way. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I can tell you, it, it happens all the time. And, and when it does, it's it's not a good thing, but they can get their money back generally by just going to the bank. In right. the cryptoverse, there's nobody really to go to that can get your stuff back because once the transaction is sent from the hacker to whoever, like stolen from your account and then to the hacker's account, the whole network verifies that that happened. And you can't roll that back. There's nobody you can say like, oh, I got hacked. Let's let's revert that transaction, right? right. Like you'd have to convince the whole network, the whole community, or at least over 50% of them to agree with you that you got hacked, so let's roll the network back before that hack took place so that you can get your money back. Yeah, and that's not going to happen. Which would that's never happen in, right. in Bitcoin's case. It has happened in Ethereum's case, which is the number two uh, cryptocurrency right now, where Ethereum literally had a flaw in one of their smart contracts, and um, well, a whole bunch of bad stuff happened. And uh, rather than just go on with it and realizing, you know, like you can't revert things in the blockchain space. The developers of Ethereum actually rolled back the chain prior to when that hack happened. So they got their money back. Wow. Um, but but that's rare. So, that's rare, I bet. Well, by doing so, they lost a lot of their community because, um, I mean, this whole thing, it, it's supposed to be um, – Immutable. Like nobody should be able to come along and say that never happened and roll the chain back. Right. right. So for, yeah. for these guys uh, in the Ethereum Foundation, uh, because they got hacked, they had to roll it back. Well, maybe, you know, sure, they could do that, but it's, it's probably not the best choice. Right. right. Yeah. No, I, I understand that totally. I mean, I'm surprised they kind of did that. And but I have to back you when you say that a lot of these people, when you start digging into the stories where people start screaming about getting robbed and they got lost all their crypto and it's all it's all a lie and st- like all the you know you hear all about that and it's a scam and everything it's always at least all the cases i've heard so far i'm sure there's cases that this isn't the case but the ones i've read about and heard about it's always when they have their crypto in a third party holding it there like they're holding it in a third party 90% of the yeah, time yeah exactly not um they're not managing their crypto properly. And exactly. that's part of what we do is we educate people on how to hold their crypto assets properly, you know, where to actually secure them and hold on to them. So things like uh, malware and stuff isn't going to expose them to risk in the future. Um, 
yeah, it's it's just all about mitigating risk and taking responsibility. Um, and, and so, you know, if you're into crypto and you're in control and you know the wallet and you understand what you're doing, nobody else can mess with you because they're those right. cryptocurrencies in your control and your device with encrypted with your password. Right. Right. So nobody can hack it or get into it if if you've secured it to the best of your ability or had have some maybe some professional give you advice to to assist you to securing it. Right. Right. But if you trust the third party and just leave it open on an exchange, I can tell you um, somebody will eventually get into your exchange account and just move your crypto out for you on your behalf without you knowing or the exchange itself will have a defunct issue where something with management happens or some some likely technical issue happens and uh there goes all the balances it, they're just exactly and wow there goes yeah crypto, right and, yeah we're gonna have to definitely cover this paul i'm just gonna uh, let you know i'm just getting close to a break here so uh, oh thank we'll god def- i gotta use the washroom now. yeah no problem <laughs> so yeah it's like a five minute break i just want to let everybody know before the break that you know, like I always say, it is listener supported, guys. So, you know, if you want to keep hearing great hosts and talking about great topics and a lot of topics that can never be discussed pretty much anywhere else because it seems that they get pulled down. And, uh, you know, definitely please remember listener supported. Donate if you guys can. It's greatly appreciated. It's greatly needed and everything helps no matter how big or small. So please, guys, donate if you can because you know we got to keep this platform up we got to keep it all rolling and keep freedom alive because as i keep saying freedom is dying quickly and the amount of censorship that's going on to people is incredible so definitely uh please donate if you can and we will be back in five minutes with paul from bitswift talking about cryptocurrency Radio, freedomslips.com, number one listener supporter radio, the printing press for freedom at a time when freedom is needed the most.
I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. I will defend myself against their tyranny. Number three is my radio broadcast. I'm squarely in front of the public all the time, and they all know what's going on. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolith and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on for expanding its sphere of influence. Hello, my name is John Wayne, and I do a broadcast here at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, called The Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. Freedom are at war. And folks, I assure you, we are in Defense Commission 1, as we journey perilously through this paradigm that we currently reside in, and I ask that you join me every Saturday. 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fan. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocopic marzal veins, so fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal lotus o deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator, every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the grand meters. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, taking the confusion out of transmutated lunar girdle springs for four years and running. Revolution Radio, the number one listener-supported alternative media radio on the planet. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And yeah, we're going to get back to your host. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys had a great break. Got to go to the bathroom, do what you needed to do, have a stretch like I always do. And like I always say, welcome back to the crypt. You are in here with... Crypt Rick and Paul from BitSwift. We are breaking down cryptocurrency, trying to teach you guys a little bit about uh, the terminology and that. And I hope it's helping out some people that are trying to get involved in it or want to get involved in it. And we've kind of discussed the origins of it a little bit. It's kind of a big topic to cover in a couple hours. I totally understand that. So maybe we can have Paul back for another show and I can uh, take some, you know, get you guys to email me some questions that you have for Paul and we can maybe uh, have them back on to answer some questions in that because I do understand it's a lot to kind of digest in a couple hours. And, I mean, there's a lot of the different terminology. But hopefully 
just us talking about it will pique your interest or make you, you know, give you the courage to dive in and kind of, even if you just invest in a small coin, something that's very cheap and just, you know, get a wallet, get onto the blockchain for that coin or wherever you got to go and start investing a few, even a couple dollars just to get you involved. And I find that once I did that, it really made me want to learn and I started to understand it a lot more. So, Paul, how you feeling? Feeling better now? Much better. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Got to have you comfortable on here, you know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was, uh, I'm, I'm so happy to have you here. I mean, I really am. I keep saying that, but I really am because I know you're busy and you're doing a lot. And uh, I definitely want to get into uh, some more of the crypto stuff. And eventually I want to let uh, you people like let you tell people about your app that uh, people can download. It's an amazing app. A lot of cool things happening with your app. And I'm really excited. That I'm kind of like uh, on the ground floor of it and what's going on with all of that. I think it's going to be, this app is going to be amazing once you get it to right where you want it, which you're in the process of doing. And we were kind of talking about that a few days ago. And I was like, as you know, I was super excited when you were telling me where you're going with it. And I think it's going to be amazing for cryptocurrency. It's going to make life a lot easier for people, but I'll let you tell tell people about that in a little bit. Sure. So we were breaking down blockchains and then I just wanted to, and then, so just, can you also explain, uh, and I do have a question for you. Actually, I'll ask you the question in a few minutes. So just remember, let me just uh, remind me, Paul, that I do have a question from somebody in the chat from Fleestein. I think I hope I'm pronouncing that wrong. If I butchered it, I'm so sorry. Uh, but he does have a question, so I want to ask you that before you go. Sure. But uh, I kind of want to work up to it because they were kind of talking about uh, it'll lead into his question will kind of lead into where we're going. So what? Uh, just to let everyone know, so if you we've figured out blockchains that you, if you wanted to invest in a certain coin, you're going to have to basically get onto a blockchain for that coin all the coins have their own basic blockchain now what about wallets so if you want to get all the different coins tokens they have their own wallets is that correct can you kind of explain how that what yeah, that wallet is just an application that interfaces you to the blockchain right perfect. so the blockchain is the uh, protocol or the tech or the network you can say uh, running that coin but you need a way to interface with it so um, the way you interface with it is through a wallet, right? And the wallet is where you would have your balance, meaning the total of your tokens or coins or perhaps a balance of many different tokens and coins within one wallet, right? Okay, so you can have different tokens or coins in one wallet. Am I correct on that? Totally, yeah, because you can have, um, let's say, like an Ethereum wallet. A really well-known Ethereum wallet is... Um, my Ether wallet. Okay, perfect. Uh, Write that down, guys, if you want to invest in Ethereum. Say that one more time, Paul, the name of that wallet. My, my Ether wallet. It's actually called Mew, M-E-W, My Ether wallet. Okay? Okay. In that wallet, it's an Ethereum wallet, so it interfaces you to the Ethereum blockchain. But remember I said Ethereum has sub-tokens on it. Like Ethereum is a main asset. It's a main kind of coin. But within Ethereum, you have all these other tokens. And so within Mu, you can have the balances for all of these other kind of sub-tokens that, that you may may um, may have interest in, that you may, may actually have a balance of, right? Okay. Okay. Um, so it could be that, yes, you have one Ethereum wallet, but when, within that Ethereum wallet, you have many maybe ETH, but also many other tokens within there. Okay, perfect. But if you want to say you have an Ethereum wallet, you can't put like a Bitcoin in that wallet. You're going to need a Bitcoin wallet. Uh, you could put Bitcoin in an Ethereum wallet, but it would not be native Bitcoin. It would be 
um, what they would call hosted Bitcoin or wrapped Bitcoin. Okay. Um, meaning it's Bitcoin on the Ethereum network. Um, it's backed by real Bitcoin on the Bitcoin network, but that Bitcoin's really not being secured on the Ethereum network. You see what I mean? It's right. kind of like a one-to-one, like a, like a pegged token. So like one, one Bitcoin equals one Ethereum Bitcoin. And, and if okay. you own, if you own one Ethereum Bitcoin, you can trade it out for one Bitcoin. So it's like a one-to-one pegged. Okay, I see. So yeah, it's kind of like you can convert it kind of like your Bitcoin as yeah, long as it exactly. networks, as long as it network supports it. So, so long as the network supports it and so long as there's people willing to um, convert from, like, the native asset to the hosted asset or the pegged asset, right? Because, okay. like, for example, like, if you buy Ethereum Bitcoin and there's no Bitcoins backing that Ethereum Bitcoin, well, then what good is that Ethereum Bitcoin? You can't convert it back to Bitcoin. So it's right. worthless, right? Right. But generally there's, like, a you know – a large kind of pool of support of money. Like if you buy a Bitcoin on the Ethereum network, there's a way to like convert it back into Bitcoin, right? So uh, to answer your question, yes, you can have Bitcoin on the Ethereum network, but is it like actually true native Bitcoin? No, it would be some kind of like, um, I don't want to call it artificial, but um, in a way it kind of is, you know what I mean? It's not, right. it, that Bitcoin is not being secured on the Bitcoin network. It's, some artificial Bitcoin being secured on the Ethereum network that people are just saying is worth exactly what one Bitcoin's worth. Okay. Here, here's a really good example. On the Ethereum network, there's a token that's called USDT. It's uh, tethered United States dollars, right? And so you have this USDT floating around on the Ethereum network, and one USDT is equal to one US dollar. So it's a pegged US dollar token on the Ethereum network that's always worth $1 or just just shy of a dollar or just above a dollar. It's usually, on average, always worth a dollar, right? Okay, now, I get only it. Wor- it's only worth a dollar because there are people willing to pay a dollar for it, right? Like if right. the whole community using USDT stops use- wanting to buy USDT, then anybody holding USDT won't be able to sell it for the dollar and will literally – be holding nothing if if it cannot n- never be converted back out to the dollar, right? Right. Yeah. So the, I get that what you're saying. It's it's the people that give crypto the value. The like, uh, yeah. Well, the that coins goes with the value. That goes with anything. I mean, very true. People determine what has value. I mean, like hockey cards, right? Like collector cards. Well, they have value. A lot of them, some some have an insane value because they're just sought after by people, right? right? Even like. Uh, Tupperware and like dishes and stuff like there's just some like weird kind of stuff that has crazy value like you'll find it on eBay and it's just because a small group of people are like looking for it or collecting right yep and that's no different with crypto really like in a lot of ways I mean yeah anything could be a currency um, so long as people decide it has value like for example like I'm holding a pen in my hand right now um, me and you and all our friends could get together and say, screw Bitcoin, screw the Canadian dollar. We're going to trade in these pens, right? Like, Rick, I'm going to give you this pen for uh, that hamburger, right? Right, right. And so long as we all agree to use these pens and they all have one pen equals a hamburger, um, well, we now have a currency that is um, 
used among a small community and has value. Pens now have value. I can tell you, man, I'll be picking up all the pens I can find around your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, that that's true. I, I like the way when you explained that to me once about how what has value. Like, it's really true. Like, if and that's the great thing about the crypto world is that it's what people are giving value to. And I really don't think people that are, are – don't understand cryptocurrency. I don't think a lot of them understand what it was even uh, invented for, which you kind of touched on at the beginning, what's what's in the code and stuff to try to get rid of the third party uh, aspect of it. And I think that um, it's a, it's definitely something people should be looking into because I do think that if it, if it gets picked up and it is getting picked up in a lot of ways, like a lot of, like we were saying, a lot of businesses are using it now, you got uh, Tesla accepting it. You got, and then as soon as other people start accepting it, the value of it goes up. And I think it's really important that we do that. Now, somebody just put in the chat here. I want to thank Dirt. He put the market summary for Bitcoin, which is God. I should have my glasses on, but let me just try to focus in here. So forty-three thousand eight hundred and seventy-nine point four zero U.S. dollars, which is plus six dash eight zero one point five zero, which is eighteen point three four percent in the past five days. So that's what the value of one Bitcoin is. Like the value increased 18%? 18.34%. Yeah, okay. Well, that's normal. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's normal. I'm just looking at what each coin's worth, and I could have bought $500 worth way back when, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, Well, I mean, there's a lot of people in that situation, right? Like, yeah, you could have, but, I mean doesn't work out that way all the time right like you could have bought that winning lottery ticket but yeah and that's true and i always like the way you explain that to me too that yeah but like don't use money and this is something advice I, th I think is good advice that i got and i would like to pass on to the people listening is don't use money that you don't have to invest and that was what kind of what you told me like you know don't don't spend more than you're willing to to lose exactly because you right? can lose like let's be honest and you were very honest with me at, when we were talking about and i was learning you're like you can lose money as quick as you make money in cryptocurrency so yeah. well I think that, people have to realize that's that. the whole other notion here is like well really what is money right and uh a lot of people are looking at this and trying to find a way to make money and, and for me money is not the canadian dollar anymore like i know more people transacting in crypto and trying to make crypto which they classify as money then i do people cashing crypto out for what what they would call money or funny money right so what is money well money is like we talked about before just what whatever a community dictates has value and whatever they want to transact in amongst each other right um okay Sorry, I forget where, where we're, what topic we were even going on. Oh, there. my God, we're losing you, Paul. Yeah. Take a sip of coffee, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just talking, no, like, I mean, we were just talking basically about uh, the value of cryptocurrency, and we were kind of, uh, like, what I was saying just before, we were, like, uh, we were kind of touching on, um, like, I think that the people have to start learning more about cryptocurrency and that because, it's kind of uh, something I think is very important, and I and I think for a lot of people are like I keep saying people are, don't know how to get invested in it, and it's uh, something that I think is very it could be a very powerful tool to fight against this establishment is what I think, and I just don't think people kind of see that like 
that there is a great value to that in eliminating this third party. And I, I really like the aspect of it because it's trading. Uh, and we were talking about value, like what gives it value kind of thing. Remember, you were kind of talking about, yeah, you the know, community using it really increase yeah. its value, right? Right. And I, and, yeah, and I love that. And I, and I think that's amazing that it's, it's a, you're trading amongst your peers. Like, you know, like I, if me and you have traded crypto before for services, like, okay, so, yeah. you know, you, I accept this coin. I pay you with that cryptocurrency. It's super quick. Like, I mean, we do it right over our phone. Boom, boom. It's done. No banks involved or anything, and I think that that's where we have to go because I'm so surprised, as I said at the beginning, Paul, that the the dollar still even accepted. I mean, it's insanity that that it's there's no value to it. And well, I it's engraved in society, and if you look around, like at all the merchants uh, through town, uh, you look at the tech they're using to process transactions, and it's all the same terminals. It's all Moneris. You know, the same machines at every right. outlet, right? So all the money is going to the same pocket or the same few pockets upstream. And um, Well, what's know. crazy, too, is, like, when you think about it, like, nobody really carries around paper money anymore. Like, it's kind of funny in a way. Like, I, I never see people with paper money anymore. Yeah, yeah it's all tap and go. Tapping. Right? Yeah, tap and go. And I imagine what the banks are making just on that. I always wonder that, and especially people that go to the ATM machines and they're pulling money out and they're charging you $2, $3 sometimes. I've seen up to $4.50 fee just to pull money out of that ATM machine. Can you imagine, when you think about that on a global scale, what these bankers are pulling in? Well, it's kind of criminal because they're charging you on the money they created out of thin air to begin with. Right? Exactly, right. So, like, you're paying all these fees on money that they we're just capable of printing out of nowhere. What gives them the capacity to do that? And everybody else basically become a slave to that, right? Like you have to work for your money. You don't just get to have it printed. Right. Um, so I don't know that whole system in my opinion needs to change. I don't believe in it. I think it's kind of archaic. It's kind of, um, I guess society has to move on, and uh, that goes back to, like, well, all these Moneris terminals, you know, everybody's using the same old legacy processing payment terminals. Well, how do you change that, right? Um, it's not only that. It's like the, the businesses are they're all using the same accounting software. They're all tying in their processing into that accounting software. So there really is kind of like a – uh, like a, a standard right now as to like accepting payments, you know, like you have a credit card processing machine and it accepts Visa and MasterCard, maybe Amex and like that. When you, at the end of the day, those, those totals go into QuickBooks or simply accounting and, you know, QuickBooks and simply accounting don't support, uh, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum transactions. There's no way to really plug in your end of day sales into the Litecoin. Uh, Litecoin network, not right. yet anyway, right? So we need to get beyond these kind of like technical hurdles and um, I guess like the that ad adoption curve, right, where like people are they're still using this the old processing terminals and they're still doing things the old way. So like how do you how do you convert that? How do you how do you get people using a new system that maybe doesn't take from them on every transaction? Maybe it right. gives them on every transaction. Um, well, it's education. I know the answer to that, Paul. It's education. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it's people like you that are going around and trying to educate people like me, who you know six months ago didn't know anything about crypto. 
So, I mean, it's people like you and other people that do know crypto. I think it's they have to get out there and well, that's start the thing, right? educating like, uh, people. Right. Yeah, like uh, it'll be somebody that comes along that says, why are you doing it this way? Did you not know things could be much more optimized, automated, cheaper if you do it this way, the new way? So they'll phase out the old system and put in the, uh, a new system, a better way of doing it. You know, and right. and that's generally what happens. Old things get replaced. Well, how long has it been where we've been operating on this old monetary system? Um, like close to 100 years or something like that. It has not been replaced yet. Exactly. And it's an old monetary system, Paul, that is balancing on nothing. Like I don't – like I keep saying, I don't know how it's still standing. Oh, it's making everybody poorer every day, right? Yep. And it's run, um, it's run by corrupt people it think of this way government money is terrorist money in a way it funds all wars you know all guns and ammunition used to bomb other people is funded by uh, some fiat government money so it's in my opinion it's actually dirty money um as opposed to a currency a community is using on the internet that some kid created in his basement on his computer Right. right. Yeah. And and that's true. When they when they set up the the reserve there to the Federal Reserve, like, you know, you know, it was shady from the start when they did it. You know, basically it was done on during the holidays and when everybody was out, like nobody was even around really to oversee it. Like and they kind of snuck it in and, uh, you know, they all meet on a place called, you know, Jekyll Island, fit, quite fitting for the name for such a scheme that they pulled off on the people. Mm-hmm. And then they passed this, you know. Federal Reserve, which is basically just a license to print money, and the fact that they're charging interest on every dollar that is getting printed mm-hmm. is, is it's robbery. It's crazy. And when when you start when I started looking into it, I wasn't very educated on it a few years ago. And I was like, I got when I started hearing about it, I was like, it can't be this bad. And then you start digging into it, and it is so yeah, crazy. it's completely corrupt. <laughs> People don't generally question the way money works, right? Like. um like I did in, in the past, before I got into crypto, I just used right. money. I never, I wanted more of it. Don't get me wrong. I knew like you make money, you get more of it, you can buy more things, you have a nicer life. So they say, right? You can uh, buy more cars, more houses, so on. Right. Right. No, I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and it's a necess, it's a necess, necessary kind. I can't talk tonight. Necessary evil to work. And we all need money to survive. I get that. And that's why I always tell people to put their, you know, I said like we were had a guest on last week. We were talking about the value of investing uh, in the stock market and stuff like that because I, I want to, at least in my, and this is just my view, is to put as many irons in the fire as you can. Um, don't put everything in the crypto that you own. Don't put everything in the stock market. You know, not I try to like invest in some gold, silver, you know, do some in the stock market if you want. Definitely get into crypto. Kind of like have a lot of options. And I totally agree with you that like it's it's robbery what they're doing with real money and all currency eventually crashes. I mean that's just history. So what's yeah. make people think that it's not going to happen now is well, beyond it's, me. It's happening. It's just uh, they're right, wallpaper right in front of your well. eyes, right? So when when things happen in front of your eyes, you don't see the changes uh, apparently like right away, right? Like right. You know, like look at your friends growing up or whatever. Like you know, you don't see the changes in them right away. I just all of a sudden you're older, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so. and they and they I think they keep us so busy too 
that it's all by, like, I know it's by design. They want to keep people busy, so they're not thinking about these things. And, well, and like, look around. I mean, the cost of buying a house just, like, doubled in the last three years, right? Right. We were and, talking about that last show. Yeah, we were talking so about like that. So, like, a, a $200,000 house uh, now costs $400,000. And that, that happened within, like, a what a four-year time period or something like oh that. for and sure yeah definitely a cu- last couple of, I, i'm shocked i was saying on the last show that i'm shocked at the houses in my neighborhood what they're going for now they're going for double what they're worth easily yeah. and i'm just well, like wow like they are worth what they are um they're worth the same it's just the value of the dollar went to shit so you gotta spend right. more dollars to get the same thing right, right. yes that's a and, great way to put it that's that's kind of what's happening slowly in front of our eyes. You don't see it right away, but every – look at the price of uh, Tim Hortons coffee. Every six months, it goes up 25 cents. Yep. Okay, so why is the price of coffee increasing in value? Well, maybe it's not. It's the same coffee. It's the same cup. It's from the same company. But the dollar is worth less, so you need to give them more dollars to get the same thing. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's that's really what it is. Your your money in your account over time just depreciates to nothingness. So it's kind of like a false um, sense of savings because you're not really saving if you put your money in your bank account. You're losing it over time. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, just to give you guys an uh, uh, like, for, we were you just mentioned Tim Hortons, and you might not even know this that. Uh, in the last couple of days when I go there and we buy a medium coffee, and you'll notice this now because I know you'll go there next time you're there and you'll challenge me on this. They actually changed the medium cups now. They're even smaller, and, uh, like, you can visually see that their cups are smaller. They're slowly kind of weeding, like, uh, in introducing these new cups. And the last couple surprise me. Yeah, and they're smaller cups. The mediums are smaller. I haven't seen any changes in the large yet. That which is what I normally get, but my friend got a medium the last couple of days, and the cups are definitely smaller, and they're trying to play it off. Yeah, they're one of those companies I feel that won't be around in five years. They're phasing themselves out by uh, ad- adhering to policies they probably shouldn't be, and so on. <laughs> oh, oh no, I no, I agree. But before I forget, I wanted to ask the question from the the chat room, and uh, and so let me just ask the question here for you, Paul. Um, so Fleestein asked. Uh, he's interested in something American, and what he wants to do is he wants to pull his money out of Wells Fargo and buy crypto, which is – I know you're not going to be able to answer this totally because you don't tell people what to invest in, but which one is the best and American? Can you give any help to that or some oh, – I'm Canadian, man. Uh, so for me to tell you what's best for the American, I really kind of shouldn't answer that question because I'm not American. Okay, well, how about what's I don't some use Wells Fargo. We don't have a Wells Fargo here, right? Right. right. Um, what are some of the coins that you're kind of that you you're you're looking at? Like, I mean, just just ones that you think are you know not saying to invest in them, but what are some of the ones that you know are the more popular ones or whatever? Yeah. So, well, I mean, kind of anything in the top twenty is kind of like um I would say like kind of like a safe bet. Um, okay. I could be wrong. I mean, it could be completely unsafe but those top 20 coins have been there for a bit They're, they've been growing they've um, been developing community they have apps that are on them so you know people need the tokens to run the apps so if people are buying those tokens the price on them will probably keep going up they'll probably maintain their value at least right right um and that's where we say do your research right like kind of look at the top 
I like what I did was I looked at the top 20. Yeah, it was the top 20 I looked at. And I kind of like did a bit of research and saw kind of dug into what they were doing. And then I picked a couple that I liked, as you know, that's what I, I did. And that's what you told me, too, is like kind of do that and then do your research, which is the best thing you can do. And um, but like you always say, there's no guarantees in this. Like, yeah, I mean, you can. Well, there's no guarantees. And it's really like, what are you trying to do? Right. Like, are you trying to are you trying to make more U.S. dollars or are you trying to do or are you trying to make trying to hoard Bitcoin? Are you trying to trade to to get more Bitcoin in your Bitcoin account, right? Right. Um, like most of the people I know today trading, they're not trying to trade to make more U.S. dollars. In fact, they're completely done with U.S. dollar. They don't even want to look at it. They're trading to earn more Ethereum or Bitcoin. So they're playing with these kind of like unknown altcoins, buying like let's say $100 of unknown altcoin, waiting until it's worth $400, selling it, but they don't sell it for USD. They just sell it back for Bitcoin or Ethereum, and they just hold that. Right. Right, because they know they can use that anywhere else worldwide, right? They can spend it on whatever, on, on the Internet, pizza, who knows, right? Right, and that's a, good, that's a good thing that you said, that, you know, it depends what you want to do with the money that you're investing in the crypto. And that's, yeah. a, that's a great thing. That like a I, good one right now. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Like, but let's I'll, say this guy means. from the States there, Wells Fargo, man. Um, let's say you're in a Tesla. Well, Dogecoin um, is associated with Tesla through Elon, right? And I don't know if you're in a Tesla or Elon or whatever, but I mean, if I was into that stuff, I might throw some of my USD into Dogecoin, knowing that Tesla, Tesla is accepting it for the merch. They're likely going to accept it for their vehicles in the future. Tesla's tied in with Solar City, freaking SpaceX, uh, Boring Company, and God knows That's what true. else. That's a good advice. Yeah, you no, know? I agree. So yeah. If if yeah. any of them out there, like if you believe in what Tesla's doing, if you've researched Tesla and you think that's gonna take off, it's it sounds to me like Elon's prepared to kind of tie Doge to it and, and kind of bring it up, uh, bring Doge up with it, right? So in that manner invest in doge right right um there's that's other a, people that's a great that one, yeah. they don't believe in the electric cars and they hate elon you know and so they won't touch doge with a grain of salt um i won't touch it right now because well i think the price on it's still too high but um, what's a, what's one of the, what is doge go, going for like i remember when uh, I, 16 cents us but keep in mind like i i'm used to seeing it sub pennies like fractions of a penny each right so for me to even see it above a penny is um, kind of insanity. <laughs> right, and that's kind of really cool that, that Elon's accepting that. Like, I thought you were going to tell me it was worth, you know, $100 a coin or something like that. But So, I mean, the fact that he's accepting it, it you know, that's well, – Well, it's not just him. Like, Dogecoin really caught on. It was kind of like did. a joke coin that, that actually got popular, right? And uh, it all started, like, way back when, just some – basically some teenager released it some young kid, right? And they've just got a community. And before you knew it, there was a NASCAR driver with the Dogecoin logo driving around. Like this community like sponsored their own NASCAR driver. And then, then before you knew it, like Snoop Dogg was on it and all oh, like it just, that's, that's kind of when it took off. Right. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Like kind of look at, I, I like to kind of research what you see the celebrities investing in and stuff like that. To me, it kind of gives it a, it kind of lets me feel out kind of what's, 
you know, you never know. Like you always say, you don't know either way. You know, you try to mitigate your risk and do the best amount of research you can. But I mean, at the at the end of the day, you don't really know unless you're going to start buying into a little bit of Bitcoin or something like that. Like you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy it, which I thought was kind of cool when you even explained that to me. And it's probably good to let the people know in the chat. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin for 40 some thousand dollars what they're worth. You can buy percentages of a Bitcoin. Like You can buy ten dollars of a Bitcoin, which will give you like 0.00, whatever the million zeros percent yeah, of a Bitcoin. Yeah, you can buy fractions or shavings of, of the Bitcoin, right? Right, up, that's up really cool. Up to the cool. eighth decimal place, so you can wow. buy, you know, little tiny micro bit of Bitcoin. They call it a Satoshi, right? Like one unit, the very smallest unit of a Bitcoin is called a Satoshi or a set. Okay. That's why they say you're stacking sats, man. And you got to say, yeah, I'm stacking my sats. <laughs> That's great. And most coins, can you do that? Like, do most coins allow you to buy a percentage of it? or? Yeah, I mean, they're all divisible for the most part. I mean, like, even the dollar is divisible to pennies, and right? So you can have, like, 100 pennies equals a dollar. Well, um, you know, in Ethereum's case, it, there's well more. I think it goes to the 16th decimal place off to the right, right? And Wow. The dollar, it's two decimal places to the right. In Bitcoin's case, there's uh, eight decimal places to the right. Right. That's and, that's pretty cool. So yeah, like that's a it's kind of a big decision. Do you want to invest in a, a, a small percentage of Bitcoin, or do you want to kind of go for the lesser known coin and get some more coins for your money? Yeah, it's so identical I, to having a bar of gold and shaving off a little piece of it and giving it to your friend for. 50 bucks, you know, you can shave off an infinite amount of pieces of that gold until you essentially run out of gold. So think of one BTC, one Bitcoin is one bar of gold, but you can shave uh, Satoshis off of it until it's all gone. And one Satoshi is to the eighth decimal place to the right. That's really cool. That's really cool. But that's a great, great way to segue into. I definitely want to talk about uh, your business a little, uh, BitSwift. And this app that you uh, created, I think this app is amazing, Paul. I really do. It's what got me started. You got me onto this app, which you can download at any app store. Uh, and just tell people about the app, Paul, and what it all, uh, what you can do on this app and where you want to take this app. Because I think this is really cool, and I think it's going to let people uh, get their feet wet, kind of. And so just kind of break down the app and, you know, take it where you want to go. Sure. Yep. Um so, yeah, we have an app out there. It's called BitSwift Cash, BitSwift.Cash. Um, and basically, it's a crypto gateway slash faucet. And a faucet just means um, free crypto. You can go there and claim free cryptocurrency every day. Um, so we're allowing people to claim uh, fractions of Ethereum, fractions of BitSwift tokens. Uh, we have some other cryptocurrencies on there as well. There's one called Cash Token. Like everybody can claim uh, 100 cash tokens per day. And uh, literally cool. you just go on there and you hit claim. Um, they're and real you can do that every, every 24 hours, people. You can do this every – and it's and I like the, uh, don't mean to cut you off, Paul, but it's not like you're – I just want to let people know that you're not giving away – thousands of dollars a day or something like that it's a very small percentage but it adds up and i've been doing this for like months i go every it's part of my coffee every morning i make my morning coffee and i go claim my free crypto on your app i really that's what i do every day and it slowly adds up 
Yep. Like, I'm not a billionaire, so, I mean, we can't let people claim uh, millions of dollars a day, right? But uh, our company is set up where we we are mining and staking cryptocurrencies, so we're literally generating uh, crypto assets uh, for free, um, or somewhat free, I guess you could say. And out of those free ones, we're able to kind of put them in our faucet to redistribute to, like, community, right? And the whole premise is, um, you know, people have these cryptos or fractions of them, you can learn about them, you can get interested, and you can use them. If you don't have them, you can't use it, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, the easiest way I found, you know, to um, allow people to use this stuff is literally just give it to them because otherwise you got to figure out how to buy it, how to trade it, and so on. It's easier if just somebody just gives it to you. Um, so the I whole agree. premise was you just you sign in, you create an account, sign in. There's a faucet there. You can claim them every day little fractions every day and uh hopefully they add up over time if not if anything you can get your toes wet um there's no costs it's free um we're not charging you to claim them um at least you can kind of get your feet wet with cryptocurrency right and, a little bit. and there's a lot more information on your app too which i really like like when you start going through the different uh sections it really you know there's a lot of good information there that kind of how you know like go ahead and tell people know what some of the options like some of the other things you can do on there i know the claiming part is my favorite part i'm sure it's everybody's favorite part on that app but yeah. what are some of the other things we can do on people can do on this app if they download it to kind of get them started Well, you, you could hold your cryptocurrency there if you wanted like for example if you wanted to deposit ethereum or bitcoin into bits of cash and hold it there you could we don't recommend that because going back i told you like um the whole premise is don't leave your cryptocurrency in a third-party control. So technically, by holding your crypto there, it's in our control. And Well, we don't want to be in control of your cryptocurrency, but you can use it like that. I mean, there are a lot of hosted wallets, and people use them. Um, no doubt we do have community, people using the, the service that way. Just it's it, for them convenient, so they're using it that way. Um, so, yeah, you can use it as like a wallet to interface with all these different blockchains. So you can interface with the BitSwift blockchain. You can interface with the Bitcoin blockchain. You can interface with the Ethereum blockchain. And there's a couple other ones on there. That's um, really cool. You can buy, you can trade cryptocurrencies on there. So part of our, uh, the BitSwift blockchain, we have a decentralized exchange. So it's a peer to peer exchange. Um, so you could deposit Bitcoin into there and then trade it on our DEX. The DEX is a uh, short form for the decentralized exchange. Um, right now, it's it's pretty early stage for BitSwift Cash. Um, it, it has been out actually for, I would say, about two years, but it's been um, on the back burner. It hasn't been a focus for our company um, until recently, actually, um, the last, I would say, month or two, I've really been trying to, I guess, pay more attention to it and turn it into a viable product that, you know, actually helps people, people can use. I, yeah, I think it's great, Paul. I really do. It really does um, get you excited about big, about getting into crypto. It did for me. And, I mean, it's claiming a little bit every day, but it's it's fun to know that you're claiming and stuff. And, and you're getting your, like we keep saying, getting your toes wet. And yep. then I also like all the other information that you provide on it. So I definitely recommend, guys, just go to the App Store and just look for BitSwift. And, uh, we have see. the app. There's an app on the Play Store. And then uh, um, it's it's just uh, through the web browser otherwise, right? Okay. So if you're on a, um Apple Mac, uh, there's no – like if you're on an iPad or whatever, there's no app. 
So you just gotta go to the website. You just where, gotta where, go to the website, yeah. And what's the web address that let people know uh, all that? Bitswift.cash. Perfect. There you go. Bitswift.cash. If you, that's if you're on an Apple or, or what, like Paul just said, if you're on an Android or whatever, just go to the Play Store. Yeah. And download it. Yeah, that's amazing. And what what are your plans? Because I know you were telling me some of the plans that you do have for your app in the future and what you kind of like to go with it. What are some of the plans that you have in the future that you'd like to do with this app? Because I think it's an amazing app. I really do. And you can do a lot with this. And I think it's going to be really it's going to change a lot of the things with crypto, I think. Yeah. Um, well, right now it's um, I would say nowhere near complete. So some of the things I want to do is. uh uh, we get a lot of people approaching us asking basically how do we get into crypto i just i just want to buy crypto help me buy crypto essentially yep, sounds like me that was right? me <laughs> and it's like well we don't we don't really want to be that person like sure we'll help you but we we for sure don't want to be the person holding your crypto for you uh we'll assist you with the buying part but as far as holding it we're going to send it to you and uh the way i can see this kind of moving forward uh, to help people who re- kind of i guess really don't understand or maybe don't even want to take the time to understand all this they just want to buy crypto right um i think we're going to move towards kind of like a subscription model uh, where if you want i mean you don't have to pay a monthly fee but if you want we'll take your money every month and we'll buy the crypto for you so let's say you subscribe for 10 bucks 10 bucks a month we'll take we'll charge your credit card 10 bucks a month we'll buy whatever coin or token you're interested in so you'd predefine that you'd say i want to spend 10 bucks a month on ethereum and we'll just take care of that for you we'll every month take your ten dollars off your credit card we'll buy your ethereum for you at whatever the market price is obviously we'll take a probably like a two percent fee or whatever because well yeah, you gotta get paid somehow exactly yeah right. no i understand yep. um but then we'll just credit the ethereum account Who's, who's ever account it may be, we'll just send that Ethereum to them. So passively, basically, they're buying throughout the year without really needing to think or worry about it or, like, update and maintain anything. Like, we're just going to send right to their blockchain account. And That's uh, really cool. That's going to yeah, be a that game way changer. They, that way they don't have to, to worry as much, right? And, and I don't automatic. think there's anybody doing that, is there? Like, I haven't seen anybody or heard of anybody. I'm sure there – maybe there is. There I probably mean, is, but I haven't been really focusing on, I guess, what other people are doing. I got too right. much of my own stuff going on. Oh, for sure. I, I don't know of any that are kind of like subscription-based off the top of my head that that would work in that manner. But Yeah, I think uh, that's like really a, cool. Like, I, I'm game for that. I, I, I can't wait till that becomes active on your app because I will definitely be – uh, doing that, I'll be doing whatever I can afford at the end of every month, and I'm just gonna tell you what coins I want, or pick the coins that I want to invest in, and I think that is a really cool feature. Yeah, that, I think long term, that's that'd be a good play to uh, just, I guess, make the, get the platform into a profitability standpoint, because I mean, otherwise you can't run a product or service if it's costing money month to month. You go bankrupt, right? Oh, so. for sure, right? Yeah, and uh, somebody else asked a question again, and in the chat here. So, and the question is, do corporations issue their own crypto with their names on it? Uh, yes, there are private cryptocurrencies. So there are private blockchains that are, well, they're not public because they're private, and companies can transact within their own pub, uh, private ledger that is secured internally. Right? Okay. Now, I can't think of 
any specific names off the top of my head. Like I think IBM has their own blockchain. I think it's called a uh, Hyperledger Fabric or something like that. It's not okay. called like the IBM blockchain. Um, but that one's a that, that one's public. I think other people can use it. But no doubt, like you'll you'll find out there are private blockchains, and their sole purpose is just to provide like an internal ledger for that private company. Right. Yeah. I, I was really surprised when I started looking into cryptocurrency. Like I, I naively thought when I was first met you and started talking about it, that there might be a thousand coins, different coins that you can invest in. And then you kind of giggled. And then when I started researching it, you're not lying when you say there's ten, like ten, uh, tens of thousands of coins. It's out probably there. a couple of hundred thousand. It's crazy. Now, you know, yeah. And it's pretty easy to create a cryptocurrency because the code is open source. It's kind of why you can trust it. We never we never touched on that. I mean, Bitcoin's open source. You can read the code. You can see what it's doing. You know how it works. I mean, that's why I find anyway it became so popular is everybody can verify in real time how, how it's actually working. Like, it's not a scam. You know what I mean? Right. And what do you mean by open source? Like, I, I wish I – code is uh, open to the public. Anybody can read it. Anybody can audit it. Anybody can see – um, how the code operates. So everybody can see, like, you know, Bitcoin and the Bitcoin code every 10 minutes are supposed to be a block, and then there's only 21 million Bitcoins, and that same code is running the Bitcoin network. So there's not 22 million. You see what I mean? Okay, I, and so that's it's very transparent then. It's yeah, the, I, exactly, called, exactly. That's yeah. very cool, right, yeah. and that's amazing. Like, could you imagine the bankers being like that? Like, go ahead, you can go and check our books and see what – like, it never happened. Never, never. <laughs> like I'm just, you know, what I mean, like the shady stuff that they're doing. But that is a really cool aspect. I remember, yeah, and I remember you telling me about that, like that it's open source and that people can, you know, you can just go and see what's going on. And yeah, it's because it's open source that there there are so many cryptocurrencies. Because like if you can see the Bitcoin code and how it works, well, you can copy pasty that code and make your own version of Bitcoin and call it Ethereum. Right. Or or anything else. Right. Actually, Ethereum is not a exact copycat of Bitcoin, but um, its roots are still kind of based off Bitcoin. Right. It's still a cryptocurrency. Right. There, right. there are a lot of coins out there where literally they're just a copy of some other coin. They're rebranded and remarketed and pushed out as a new product and, and they have a completely separate market cap and a completely separate community and they're their own separate coin. You know what I mean? Right. That's yeah, that's really cool. Like and, you and can I've, come out tomorrow, Rick, and say, um, there's a crypt Rick coin and it's based off Dogecoin. We took the Dogecoin source code, which is public, and we forked it, and now there's a crypt Rick coin and we're just gonna put your logo on it and we're gonna get all your uh hundred thousand listeners here to start using it, right? Which brings it the value, which gives it value. Which then gives as, it value. Like imagine there's people in your community that are like, let's say, uh, coffee shop owners and some are hotel owners and uh, let's say some are truck drivers and, and you're a tattoo artist and so on and you're all using Crypt Rick coin. Well, um, Crypt Rick coin now has value because you can buy pizza with it. You can buy a hotel room with it. You can get a tattoo with it, right? It's public. It's open source. It's based off Dogecoin. Buy Crypt Rick coin. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's really cool. And I imagine that's probably why there is so many coins out there. It's because it's because it's open like that. People it's are just, just open, copy paste, right? Like if people can actually the 
the license allows you to copy and paste it. It's open source. You can copy any one of these open source cryptocurrencies, paste them, and make your own version. Right. Now, what I wanted – I kind of want to touch on this again. I'm going to have to get you on again, Paul, in a, in a, when I can track you down again and bribe you over here to, with a coffee again because – I hamburger. definitely, yeah, hamburger too. I got to remember that too, right? Hamburger and coffee in the cage all set because I want to get into a lot of people that say, ask me too if the government's got their hands in cryptocurrency. Of and course. I want to get your thoughts. Like, do you think they're. What doesn't buying... the government have their hands on? Right. Yeah. But how uh, do people, like, I know a lot of people have told me they're like, they're scared to invest because they're worried that the government's going to shut it all down. They're going to take over it and control it. And how can they shut it down? I'm asking you. I, I don't. <laughs> well, it's a, de- it's a that that's the whole thing, right? It's decentralized. You can't. There is no one to shut down. You can't shut it down. You could try to ban it. So, like, yeah, you know, I think China's banned Bitcoin upwards of 20 times by now. Um, and each <laughs> and every time they ban it again because clearly it never got banned in the first place, right? Um, you can't ban it because it doesn't run centrally from anywhere. It runs across many millions of computers across the globe. And so the only way really to turn it off would be to try to turn off those millions of computers all across the world. In fact, not just across the world, there's Bitcoin nodes floating in space on satellites. So ha- like, you'd also have to blow up the satellites in space to take out wow. the so they can't take it. They can't take it over as easy as people think they can. Like these people that are concerned that government's gonna just. There might be other ways to take it over, like um, buying more supercomputers than anybody else in the world has, and combine them all together. So basically, you're the the biggest miner out there, and you got the most mining power, and you, you overpower everybody else, and you take full control of the network. Right, right. You could do that. Um, it would cost. A government, I guess, a lot of money to do that. And in the end, you'd have to beg the question, what would be the point in doing that? Because, like, if you're going to hack, let's say, Bitcoin to screw with it, then in the end, it's probably not going to have any value because, well, you've manipulated the shit out of that, it. Right. That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. That's what I'm thinking, too, is what you said, because it, that is true when I think about it. If if the government did start buying it all up, then people are going to dump it. They're going to get rid of it, and then it's going to have no value because nobody's using it. Well, I have no doubt that a lot of government has bought a lot of it up. Um, that's probably why we saw the price go from – Dollars in a multitudes of you know twenty thousand, thirty thousand, right? I think it went up to seventy k or whatever, right? So it's gone up like massively, and you got to ask, well, where did all that money come from? Well, if the banks can print money out of thin air without asking any questions, who's to say they're not just printing money and, and buying Bitcoin with it? Bitcoin has a supply cap. There is not infinite Bitcoin yet. They have capacity to print infinite money. So put that in a perspective. You have an infinite uncapped money supply being printed at the hands of whomever on a whim going to flow into sound capped money supply that cannot increase, that cannot really uh, create more units out of thin air from nothing. That means – the value of those that static money supply will will likely go up so long as they keep artificially printing fake 
Monopoly money. Funny money. Right, right, right. I get it. No, because that, that's the one question I keep getting to is a lot, as I just said, a lot of people are worried that the governments are taking it over, which I say, like I was kind of like what you said, I said, I don't think it's as easy as just taking it over. And then a lot of people will ask me, well, what happens if, like, if you know they shut the power grid down? And like I did have somebody ask, you, ask me that. They were like, I don't want to invest because – what if uh, they, they shut, shut the power grid down? Everybody's money's about, gone. <laughs> I don't think we would be worried about um, how much money you got at that point because there'd be That's so much other devastation going on. Like, if we lost power, we're used to the power going off for maybe, like, what, max, like, what, like, a let's say, like, four to eight hours max, and it usually comes right, back right. On, right? Imagine the power going off for, like, a week, and, and, and no guarantee it's ever going to turn back on. People would go fucking crazy, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Like your money in your bank or in your Bitcoin's account would probably be like the last thing on your mind. Like you're going to be going like looking for food, how to stay warm, how to get gas in your car. Like, right. Like, and, it, and that same thing would happen if, even if the money in your bank, if the power goes out, you're not going to be able to get money out of your bank. Yeah. So you, it's you know, no, Money's digital now, right? So you're going to yeah. go to an ATM machine. If the grid's down, like you're not going to be able to transact that way either exactly. now with that said you don't need power to transact in bitcoin um like yeah the bitcoin network kind of has to be there and whatnot but you can print bitcoins out on paper and give them to somebody and um that guy can verify on that piece of paper that the bitcoins you gave him actually are real and legitimate and the, the network says that that piece of paper you gave him encoded in it has that bitcoin that's really cool, right? So, and then when, when the power does come back up, you can verify that you got that Bitcoin from who, who said person. Yeah, you can take that piece of paper, which is really just like like think of it like a password, right? That that has Bitcoins locked in it, and you can reveal the password and, and unlock it. Right. Um, so there's some like what what they call even like offline hardware wallets or paper wallets they call them, which is literally Bitcoin on paper. Or Bitcoin on a device that's not connected to the internet that you can give to anybody else, just like uh, paper money, that doesn't, it's not using any electricity at all. Right, right. right. No, that that's great, Paul. But I just want to give you, I only got a couple more minutes left because we are coming up to the top of the hour very shortly. So I want to give you a couple of minutes. Let everybody know about your business, where they can find you, website info, everything like that. I just want to let people know, you know, how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you and stuff like that. Go ahead and let everyone know. Sure. Um, yeah, so my name is Paul Bush. Um, I'm uh, the CEO of BitSwift. Um, at BitSwift, we are a tech company, so we're actually a managed service provider. So, you know, we provide uh, tech solutions for a lot of business. We do a lot of um kind of like remote support and um, I guess just, just helping businesses with their IT infrastructure. So when it comes to like, you know, um, what software they should be running or maintenance on their device or websites, hosting, emails, communications, all of that, um, companies rely on us for that and rely on us to make the best decisions for them, um, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there's that aspect and then part Perfect. of that. Part of that aspect is um, we have uh, our own blockchain, so we have a public blockchain. It's called the BitSwift blockchain, and that's where you'll find the BitSwift tokens. And part of that whole side is that BitSwift cash project we were talking about, where that's basically our interface to our blockchain as well as a faucet 
so people can come in and just kind of claim those free tokens uh, just to get their feet wet, as well as interact with various other blockchains there. Um, we also have a shop, BitSwift.shop. You can go there and buy computer equipment, tablets, desktops, laptops. We accept BitSwift tokens on our shop, so you can actually use our crypto on our shop. You can save uh, 10% if you use our crypto on our shop, which is pretty cool. Uh, we got our blockchain in, in general, um, so that actual protocol, myaccount.bitswift.network. Myaccount.bitswift.network is kind of like the equivalent of having like a bank account, but it's not a bank account because of Bitswift. We don't do banking stuff. We're Bitswift, not banking stuff. Um, but yeah, there's that. You got it all covered, brother. You got it all covered. There's a bunch more, but maybe I'll save it for next time. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, just definitely check out his app, guys. He, we already discussed how to get it. Get your feet wet. I want to thank you, Paul, for coming on here for a couple hours. You're always welcome back. I'd love to get you back here to uh, talk some more about it because, like I said, it's a lot to cover in a couple hours, and especially for people that are just learning. So you're always welcome back to come back, and we'll talk some more about it, break it down some more, talk more about your company and all the great things you're doing. I just really thank you for being here. I want to thank everybody in the chat for uh, being here and sticking with it and tuning in and checking it out and definitely let everybody know, like I keep saying, please, this is all listener supported. So please guys donate. If you can, every dollar helps to keep all of this great content going out, you know, basically 24 seven, lots of great hosts and uh, you know, everything helps. So, I mean, that's great. And uh, don't forget my new show. Like I said, Saturday, 7 PM till 8 PM studio B and it is Crip Rick's The Decompression Hour. And that's where I'm going to be talking basically just about music and some movies and just having a great chat, get the chat involved. And coming up next will be The Fenton Perspective. So definitely make sure you check that out. Great uh, host, great show. So definitely check that out, guys. And like I said, Paul, I really want to thank you for taking the time to come and break down cryptocurrency a little because I know it's an intimidating topic for a lot of people. Yeah, I want to thank you as well for having me on. I also want to thank all your viewers out there. Thanks for listening to me. Um, hopefully I didn't speak over your head uh, as far as um, you know being able to understand all the topics and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I'll try my best, I guess, next time I'm on and hopefully explain more. And Oh, for educate. sure, yeah. And if anybody wants to uh, email Paul any questions, definitely check uh, hit me up on my email, binthinkingpodcast at gmail.com, and just let me know that you have a question for Paul and write it down. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Revolution.
join Revolution Radio every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Studio B for Momentary Zen with host Zen Garcia at freedomsteps.com, the people station. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. You opposed government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio 